Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We are a Jesus church. My friend teases me kind of half-heartedly. He said, why do I need to come to worship every Sunday? Every Sunday you always say the same thing. You, you always find a way in your message to get us to Jesus. He's right. But you need to come to worship because you need Jesus. And it's my calling to proclaim Christ, to proclaim the gospel to you. Cute stories, I can do some of that, and insightful exegesis, I can do some of that. But at the end of the day, after worship is done, after I sit down, I say, Amen, the gospel needs to predominate, not just in my message, but in our congregation. It's the gospel that inflates our lungs. It's the gospel for which our hearts beat. It's the good news that God loves us in Jesus Christ that centers us. And it centers us with God, bringing us peace with God through Jesus. And the gospel also provides the context and the power to have real relationships in our homes and families and with the people we interact with every day. We are people of the gospel. And I love that. Sometimes I, I feel that's too theological to say. I, was damaged in my vicarage in southern Illinois, and my vicarage pastor would always take my messages and circle with a red pen all the jargon. Well, the gospel is not jargon. The gospel, Paul writes, is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. We are people of the gospel. We are evangelicals, people of Jesus. And I want to make that point and drive to that point this morning as we unload Genesis chapter 37, verses 12 through 36. I want you to remember that you belong to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And upon that platform, we build out family and friendship and life and work and recreation and summer and winter and all of those things. And there's three pieces from this text this morning that that I'd like to explore a little bit. First is that resentment is toxic. Secondly, that unresolved guilt doesn't just disappear. And thirdly, that last verse from our text, meanwhile God was working on big plan, big, His big P plan. Three pieces. Resentment is toxic. Enough said? <laughs> Would you like to start in my family, yours, or Jacob's? Because there's not a one of us that can run away from the toxicity of resentment when we harbor it in our hearts, when someone harbors it against us. Resentment is toxic. At least it was for Jacob's family. The, the, the boys had different moms. And Rachel was the favorite wife. So Benjamin Joseph's mom was Rachel, who was beautiful, but just I'm not sure about the, 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 the baby thing with her. Because Leah, every time Jacob walked by the tent, Leah was pregnant with another big strapping boy. And, and, and then all of a sudden later, 
Benjamin and Joseph are born to Rachel and Jacob. And a point of resentment for those boys was that Jacob loved Rachel the most. Therefore, those boys were beloved to him, Joseph and Benjamin. Judah and Reuben and Issachar and Gad and Aphtali and all those guys, well, they were kind of like indentured servants. They had to work. And they went from one place to Dothan, and, and here's Jacob, happy, or, uh, Joseph, happy-go-lucky, coming down the street with his coat of many colors and all of those things. And the resentment is just palpable in that text. They looked at him coming from a distance after he had sought them out. And the Scripture says what? And they sought for a way to kill him. We're not talking a little bit of resentment. We're talking to resentment that is leading to ideations of murder. Holy smokes. And so the brothers in our text from Genesis have this horrible conversation. Well, we could kill him and take care of him. We could do this. We could do that. And we're going to come to Reuben later. But Reuben is kind of the brother that says, wait a minute, there's something more, more here. So that birthright piece, who his mother was, and why, he, why those brothers were all with second-class citizens, and the resentment just burned in their heart. And then Joseph asked for it. Joseph couldn't keep his mouth shut. Now, I don't know how old he was, but I'm assuming a teenager. He just couldn't stop with the dream. Well, I had a dream last night, fellas, and the dream was there was 12 stars and the sun and the moon, and here was I, and they all bowed down to me. And the resentment just is fueled with that. Our stupid little brother telling us all this stuff, and as if that weren't bad enough, he says, and then I went to sleep and I had another dream, and there were 12 sheaves of wheat, and they all bowed down to my sheaves. Resentment, right? Resentment. The brothers come to him and say, are you telling us that you're going to rule over us? <laughs> it even got so bad that Jacob goes to Joseph and says, you got to cut this out. These guys are older than you. They're bigger than you. You're kind of a little good-looking guy, and these are my big strapping herdsmen. This isn't good for our family resentment. Struggle all week with how to talk about this without getting emotional. With my own resentment, resentment in my family and all of those things. But resentment for me is a barometer of sin in my life. Resentment and when I become resentful, I become toxic because I become angry. I have a short fuse. I don't want to do anything for anybody but me. It's toxic. Usually when I get a sense of resentment, it, it's time for me to back off. I'll, I'll call in. I'll say, Clink needs a couple days off because I can't shake the indignation that everything's not fair. Resentment is the idea that we've been treated unfairly. We deserved one thing and we got another. Jacob's boys deserve the adulation for being good boys and doing what their father said. But Joseph was the favorite. 
I didn't get what I deserve. Is at the heart and the root of resentment. I didn't get what I thought I had coming. People keep demanding more in me and I'm not recognized, I'm not compensated, I'm not appreciated. And resentment is this slow, painful, hot, burning in our heart. It's the little voice that says, but what about me? Look at what I did, look at me. Carried to a horrible degree, it can manifest as it did with his brothers. But for most of us, maybe all of us, our resentments are deeper and more emotional than they are acted out, except maybe in passive-aggressive conversations. Resentment in Jacob's family among the boys was so bad that the course of, of, of the least painful action was to throw him in a well and tell their father he had been ripped apart by an animal. Resentment is toxic. It's toxic to you in your heart, and it's toxic in family systems. And not a little toxic. It's the cancer that invades and metastasizes into families. That's why it's so painful to talk about us because it's so close to home. So let's hold that piece out there for a moment. That piece about resentment. Let's hold that out there and then let's talk about that second piece. Unresolved guilt just doesn't go away on its own. I, I've read through this story any number of times and, and I hadn't realized the role that Reuben played in it. Reuben, the, the older brother's like, nah, 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 come on. He's our brother. He's our half-brother for some of you. He's Benjamin's brother. Dad loves him. If you do anything to Joseph, it's going to be like doing it to dad. But the resentment that the boys had led to bad behavior. And then they kind of get together and get their story straight. They sell Joseph off. Reuben comes back, looks in the cistern or the well, and says, where's my brother? And they go, well, he's gone. And Reuben says, you've got to be kidding me. What is wrong with you, that is going to devastate our father. Well, it's okay. Just bring us the amazing Technicolor dream coat. We'll tear it up. We'll dip it in blood. We'll tell him he was eaten by a wild animal, and it'll all be, it'll all just kind of go away. No one will be the wiser. And Reuben proves to be prophetic. For the grief with Jacob is bitter and painful. The scripture tells us he grieves for his son for days. He dresses himself in sackcloth and ashes and grieves. The boys had ripped the heart of their father by killing their brother. Resentment had led to bad thoughts, which led to bad behavior, which now leads to a horrible sense of guilt in the family. We don't catch up with the brothers again until Genesis 42. God's going to work and God's going to do some stuff, but, but the whole episode doesn't pick up with the brothers again. And the family doesn't really come together because Joseph begins to favor Benjamin and the brothers themselves get older and they must deal eventually with getting food from Egypt and dealing with the famine they have, and all the while managing this guilt that's on their heart of breaking Jacob's heart. Feelings of resentment led to bad behavior that led to guilt 
and the guilt of hurting their father and selling their brother off, it didn't really erode and get easier for them as time went on. As a matter of fact, when they're reunited with Joseph in Egypt coming down the way, it's awful for them. Guilt has just gnawed this horrible step into their heart. That's how guilt works. It's almost as if there's a demonic tour guide that gladly leads us back to the past bad behavior, back to the ugly feelings, back to the resentment, back to the intensity of, of all of that. And then the, the power of guilt just compounds over and over and over again. For me, it's like a rock that somebody puts on my chest that I can't seem to move. Anybody who is raised with a family of had a, a sense of guilt knows precisely what I mean. If we were raised in a family that bore up with addiction, you know what that rock feels like. If you are a father and your children were or are currently resentful because you are seldom engaged in family life, you know what I mean. If you ever took anything, hurt anyone, committed even one sin you regret that you remember then you know what I mean. Every time I try to bench press that rock off my chest, it just doesn't move. And every time I try to twist and, 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 and get it to, to slide off, it just doesn't happen. Unresolved guilt doesn't go away on its own. We need a solution, and that solution to guilt needs to be a God-sized solution. It's got to be a solution that doesn't just look at the past and, and wipe it away and say, no big deal. It's got to be a solution that says, not only is it a big deal, but you can't handle it, you can't lift it, you can't reckon it, but someone else outside of you can. We need a God-sized solution to the God-sized problem of guilt. And so we get to that last little verse of Genesis chapter 37. Don't you love that? If you have your Bible open or your scripture there, that Genesis chapter 37, verse 36. I love that first word. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph to Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Meanwhile, how about that? Meanwhile, you got this whole big ugly thing going on in this family. Meanwhile, meanwhile, God is getting after his big P plan. God is not sitting in the back seat. He's not in the stadium watching the game. Man, God is down on the field getting after it, doing His plan. And I love that. Meanwhile, what do you mean? Oh, I mean that while you're all bound up with resentment and you're struggling with guilt, God is working. Well, it doesn't look like He's working. Right. That's why we believe the Bible before we believe what we think or feel. God is working. Meanwhile, in this little piece of time, God is working. Well, he's working on Jacob's son. Joseph is sold to the Midianites to a man named Potiphar who's an officer for Pharaoh in Egypt. God is working in that. And 
that's the gospel. That's the, that's the good news. That eventually the brothers are going to have to come down and reckon the sin with their brother. Because they're going to be forced to because there ain't going to be any food. And so Jacob's going to look at the boys and say, you got to go down to Egypt. It's the only place they have food stored. And they go, well, okay. And then the resentment and the guilt and all of those things are going to be reckoned in that family. But God is setting the stage by sending Joseph into Egypt, by putting Joseph in a, in a powerful spot where he can feed that whole part of the world. Meanwhile, God was working. He was, putting, he was working to put this guy, Joseph, into a position to preserve the covenant and the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He would put Jacob, he would put Joseph in a great place of leadership. And in that, he would save the bloodline of the covenant so that ultimately Jesus would be born. You see, Jesus' family was going to come out of Egypt. Jesus was going to come from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So by sending Joseph on ahead, he preserved his family to make sure that the covenant, the, the pieces of the bloodline were intact so that in 2023, me and you could look and say, yeah, 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 that, that gospel that's sealed in the blood of Jesus. Well, where did Jesus come from? Oh, let me tell you, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Oh. So let me come back to resentment for just a minute. What has God done of resentment to remove it from you and me and give us a sense of peace? One of the most powerful things that I participate in in our congregation every year is the Good Friday service. And the reading of the men on one side and the women on the other side, women led by the choir, men led, do I, how does the, the choir lead the women, the men, whatever, whatever. And we read this scripture. Everything's black. We got the altar stripped, we got that, the choir comes in quietly and Lots to see on Good Friday. And then we read all of Isaiah 53 and a, little, and a little bit more. And it's so important because it's in Isaiah 53 that we see what God's answer for resentment and guilt truly is. And it's not psychological. Learn to deal with it. Learn with it. It's theological. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their, hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain. And bore our resentments. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Let 
we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus was resented, but Jesus was not resentful. Jesus put on his back and into his heart all of the toxic resentment that the world could ever manufacture. And then he was cut off and sent out of the community to deal with that on his own. And he was crushed for those resentments. He let go and is the sacrifice for my indignation, for my anger, for the anger and in for the indignation and anger of the congregation gathered today for our families, for our world. The answer to resentment is the good news of Jesus Christ. God has laid on him. God has laid on him. So you and me, we're set free from the toxicity and the power of resentment and guilt. And the good news sometimes needs to remind us of that. When the little voice says, yeah, but, 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 but you deserve. And, 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 and that was your project. You, you, you should have got the raise. The gospel is God laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And who cheers for us. Maybe it's just the little voice of Jesus who says to us, I know that's not fair, but it's okay. I know a little bit about unfairness, Jesus says. It's going to be okay. Because he suffered and died for us. Because God's big plan be kept rolling. Because in the meantime... God was working to save his bloodline so that the punishment that brought us peace would be ours here this morning. Amen. Amen. Join me in prayer. Lord God, this sermon's so heavy for a summer. It just... <laughs> I thank you for early mornings and late nights and for your spirit working in your word. Pray for those this morning who are just hurting. Lord, as soon as I talk about resentment, it just, it's just like I put a finger on the open sore of their heart and speak those words of good news. Breathe your breath of grace upon our congregation, upon all our hearts. Grant us the release of guilt that comes from the forgiveness and you unwinding the past for us. Father, I thank you so much for, the, for Reuben, Lord, for, for the older brother who stands up and ultimately, Lord, how the story works out. I bless you this morning that on a, a morning where we talk about sin and grace and families that we, 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 we get to experience the sacrament this morning. 
where your voice reaches down and grabs us and says, I love you. The guilt is mine, the resentment, gone. The punishment that brought peace, Jesus says, I got that. So be with us and bless us this morning and throughout this week. Grant us to learn about ourselves and to be able to learn about you and to hold that gospel deeply, deeply in our souls. It's in Jesus' name we pray.